The Evening Brothers are proud to present Twinkie Talk. Hey everybody, welcome to Twinkie Talk. It is the only show on the internet where three white guys talk about movies. Uh, and it is brought to you by the Evening Brothers. I am Brother Lincoln. I am Brother John. I am Brother Preston. And we are gathered here today for <laughs> just one one really good reason, and it is <laughs> Dune. It's the, the melange. Melange? What do they call it? The spice? The spice, the spice. melange. The spice is melange. life. The do spice they call must it melange in the book? They yeah. do. Melange okay. just means like mixture. I couldn't remember. I don't. I I didn't remember hearing that word in my mind. Yeah, the spice melange. It's kind of a stupid word. Anyway, um, <laughs> so this is Dune, uh, but not the not what we have uh, heretofore agreed to call the good Dune. Right. We are talking about the David Lynch. I think it's 1984. Um, amazing Dune. <laughs> what uh, What did we decide, Lincoln? We made a decision. Oh. We don't want to be comparing it to the new Dune. The, the sorry, Dune. the so what? The what Dune? The the good Dune. Oh, okay, thank you. Sorry, I got confused. <laughs> so we're each going to give each other one mention of new good Dune. Uh, other than that, they get uh, chastised and shamed for our for our comparison. All you right. feel good about that? You know, I feel you great can. About that. You have to like yeah, say something. Weird. You can't nod. Oh yeah, that's right. This is the audio thing. <laughs> Do you guys remember when this show was funny? Do you remember that? We used to say funny no, stuff. No, I don't it remember. Was? <laughs> <laughs> I think. I don't know. No, yeah, this is our this is our just coast into coasting through our career now. <laughs> yeah, we've achieved such massive success. We could just we can afford to just kind of take it easy after this. Yeah, this mm. is kind of our like the last man standing of our career where we sort of already did the show and now we're just doing it again. You know? Yeah, completely. I do know. So what, what was right. the what, what, where where did we peak? Uh, where last did we episode. peak, or where did Tim <laughs> Allen peak? Because I would say Toy Story, Toy Story One feels like Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, that's probably where Tim Allen. Peak. Where does Tim Allen come from? Oh, so all right. He so made Preston. a TV show called Last Man Standing, which but, is basically Home Improvement, yeah. but just a little bit worse, and with okay. less neighbors. And again, so Lincoln, what <laughs> compelled you to make us watch uh, watch this? I don't. I hesitate to call it a film or a movie or just like a collection of images. This this project. <laughs> this concept. Yeah. This what, concept. What, what made you make us watch this idea? Well, I I had seen it before. I watched it on the same night I watched the first Blade Runner movie, and uh, throughout the course of that night, I drank an entire bottle of wine. I mean, you'd have so, to. <laughs> and so i had some like some kind of confusing memories about this movie and i was kind of curious to see if i still would feel the same way on a on a dead sober watch through sure and um and so i just wanted to kind of sick that on both of you because this is a, a wonderfully um ambitious movie to say the least <laughs> well i feel like i i watched this uh i watched this Four, three hours ago, I would say, and I without any alcohol, and um, and I have some very confusing memories as well. So <laughs> it's gonna be a fun time. Uh, Preston, just to to intro us to kind of how I felt about Dune before I I watched it a second time. Can you go to our text channel and read the response <laughs> that I said sent to Jonathan? Just go ahead and read it out loud for the for the record. Uh, the first thing I write is yes, you do. It's Buckwild. 
Yeah, so yes, you do. It's Buckwild in the best way. Uh, it is a movie that is going to be studied by bewildered anthropologists 200 years from now. It's like if you cross the Lion King with 1986 Transformers animated movie. Uh, watching a community theater production of the novelization of Tron while everybody in the cast and audience is on acid. And watching it is the same experience as a styrofoam cup would have if you melted it in the microwave. I really connect with that last sentence because I, I, I fully so agree. We've sort of okay, set a so precedent let's... of watching these movies day of. I, you should have. I, I guess you tried to warn us that we should watch it a little earlier. I should have given myself a little buffer. I feel so fried right now. Oh yeah, this movie it, is deep fried. It's so it, so it packs so much in, and they like adequately explain absolutely none of it. Zero percent. But they take so much time to try. That's the funniest part. It's like. <laughs> Let's let's start uh, chronologically because we're already getting into the things I want to talk about. So we start with uh, Princess Irulan fading in <laughs> and then addressing us. Um, and then she fades back out and then she fades back in and then she fades back out again and then says, oh, yes, I forgot to tell you. And then fades back into existence <laughs> to tell us about the spice. <laughs> this is this is my favorite part of the movie. Almost. It's almost my favorite part. Uh, just because she talks, she said so much in those first two. And I was like, okay, whoo, that's a lot to take in. And then she went, oh, I forgot. And I went, fuck, okay. <laughs> Do you ever feel like Princess Yulon when you're trying to explain Dune to people, though? <laughs> I mean, not Dune specifically, but yes. I mean, there's a lot of material to cover. <laughs> I also like that her intro still isn't enough to, like, provide the exposition for the movie where you have to have a whole other report. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. To the, the, so, the, so we, we finish up deal. with exposition narration number one <laughs> and we enter the title card and the music, which the music is by Toto. It, I hope you noticed that. Oh yeah. Which the, uh, the front, the um, leading singer of Toto is actually John Williams son. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. So there's a there's some pedigree of like having orchestral music and knowing how to compose there. So that's why the music is so good cuz I, I thought the music was like quite good the whole the whole time. <laughs> well, some of the time. There's, oh, we'll get we'll get to it. We'll we'll get to <laughs> a specific great. moment, I would say. It's not awesome. It's Are not you talking about terrible. the the power ballad at the end? <laughs> yeah, the worm riding. <laughs> The worm riding. I don't understand how you could not just love that with all your heart. I mean, no, 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 we'll no, get let into me, it later. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> then we have the second consecutive exposition narration where we have a uh, spicing guild members talk about four planets. And then uh, most of the planets don't really need to be addressed at all because we, they're just like a setting. It doesn't really matter that they're a planet, but, it, but we do. So now we get that. And then um, we visit the emperor, uh, the spacing guild visits the emperor and tells him the problem. And the emperor goes into the third now, uh, voiceover narrative, uh, exposition narration. And he tells us exactly what the plan is. And we, uh, very quickly lose all of the drama and mystery and ominous feelings that the story could possibly have. Do you feel like it's the exposition that lost the drama or the giant <laughs> scrotum in a test tube? <laughs> Cause it's, it's that one for me. <laughs> I think it's a bit of both. Little column A, little column B. Okay. I think like you know, clunky narration, <laughs> scrotum in a test tube, <laughs> massive scrotum, 
The universe's biggest scrotum, <laughs> award-winning scrotum. Powered by the spice. <laughs> and so this is this is the throne room scene we're talking about. And one compliment that I consistently have about this movie is that the set and costuming is glorious. Oh yeah. It is awesome. It's like this giant solid gold room. There's dog walkers. Everyone has pugs in this universe. <laughs> Which I have a question about the pugs. Is it an alien yeah. pug or or is did the like least likely species to survive just somehow make it all <laughs> the way to there? For 8,000 more years? Yeah. <laughs> I know it feels it feels particularly human to like have pugs survive forever <laughs> even though we're uh we did a terrible job making them. To just like determine that our crimes should stay with us. <laughs> yeah. I did I also noted the sets. I uh, my comment was remember when they used to design sets? That was that was nice. <laughs> I missed that. It was nice. It's really got some good there is... 80s sci-fi stank about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's strong. It's greasy. It's, it's very it's greasy. It's greasy. It's very greasy. <laughs> this is the beginning of the uh, the styrofoam cup melting in the microwave <laughs> feeling that I don't think I don't I don't think you fully get there, though, until like, no, you get introduced yet. to not the yet. Baron. <laughs> the Baron certainly you doesn't get to hurt. the Baron. And... <laughs> <laughs> I love how the emperor just changes his mind literally anytime anybody contradicts him. <laughs> he says, I want my truth sayer to stand right next to me. And then the truth sayer goes, I am your truth sayer. And then the spicy guild comes in and goes, not, we can't have a truth sayer here. And he goes, leave. <laughs> well, yeah, <'cause> <laughs> like you're the emperor, bro. The put up, yeah. Put up <laughs> even a little bit of a fight, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't like her. And he's like, yeah, I, I guess I didn't either. <laughs> I feel like that's a truth of the whole movie, though. I don't think anyone <laughs> ever says anything without, like, with any subtext. It's always just like, no, I no. love you or I don't love you. Like, those are kind of the two sentences we get. <laughs> it's it's a very literal movie, which is weird because the book is all about, like, hidden meaning and oh. understanding subtle body postures and inflection. And the, and the movie's like, you know what? I don't think we're going to be able to understand that. Which is so funny because, like, David Lynch, he's, like, Eraserhead has so much subtext, it's insane. But then it's like he just forgot how to use that <laughs> muscle. <laughs> and so he was just like, what if just big fat men flew around? And then they were like, yeah, what else? And he was like, what do you mean, what else? What do you mean, what else? Like, we're supposed to do other stuff? I guess we could put a worm in there. What do you want? <laughs> Following this scene is the fourth exposition now. And this is Paul Atreides' uh, voiceover, like, in his mind. That was, the the Emperor was a fourth exposition. The fifth exposition is Paul Atreides. And then a sixth expositional narrative, which was the computer reading out loud the weather about Dune. Because <laughs> it wasn't enough. We need more. Because it wasn't enough. And so, yeah, we're introduced to Paul. He's sitting at his desk, and he gets visited by uh, Thufir Hawat, Dr. Yue, and Patrick Stewart as Duncan Idaho. <laughs> he sure is. I want to hear what are, what's your what were your thoughts, John? You hadn't seen this yet, so what were your immediate thoughts seeing Patrick Stewart in in this movie? Okay, so yeah, I had I had a lot of thoughts. This is we're within I would say ten minutes of the movie opening, right? Like, yeah, we're pretty close to the beginning still. Yeah, my my thought I wrote just Patrick Stewart exclamation mark. <laughs> Very excited. He's how we all feel. My only thought was just like. That is that is Patrick Stewart because that was as far as my brain could get in the comprehension <laughs> of this movie. Like that was that was as much as I could possibly muster is just like, oh, I know that guy from something. 
seen him and stuff. Something else that happened in space. Some kind of space. I don't know. Some is there like a super? I don't know. Yeah. So that was that was my thought. It was just, I, and then I like started searching the cast for other people that I know, and turns out it was just Patrick Stewart, which is cool. <laughs> Everyone else is unrecognizable. And that leads me to so many questions. Like one, did Patrick Stewart just really want to be in Dune? Two, <laughs> did he just not get any work? Like, what? what's the Venn diagram of we can cast Patrick Stewart, but we cannot cast anyone else you know? Well, they needed one celebrity to bring some credibility to the movie. And <laughs> yeah. They just threw a dart at a list, and Patrick Stewart's name was just happened to be the one that got hit. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> that sounds well, about right. So, so if they had a bulletin board labeled credibility with a bunch of names on it and Patrick Stewart's was the name they hit, what was the bulletin board that had Sting's name on it that they managed to hit? Sex appeal. <laughs> Sex appeal. <laughs> Rockin' bod. <laughs> right. That's as far as they got, Lincoln. <laughs> so, um, they so said, we have hey, this, who's got a entrance. really great, like, greasy looking smirk? Boom. Sting. Done. <laughs> Well, you know who else does is Kyle MacLachlan as as Paul Atreides. His oh, little smile is... when he goes, "I remember your footsteps," <laughs> and he's like this little gremlin who's like, Tee-hee-hee. "I, I know love who's the... coming in my room." I love it's that like he's the playing one time this. That he shows any emotion in the entire movie. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and he's just this delightful little imp. <laughs> it's like that scene they told him, like, "You should, you're supposed to be a child," and then every time after that, he was like, "Nah." I don't want to do that. Yeah, just, I guess like, <laughs> yeah. can't see, but nobody can Neither see. Neither can the listeners. No, I can Preston see. Preston looked like he was stoned out of his mind. <laughs> and he just sort of, he just sort of gets like, like, he just sort of goes with it. Like, yeah, for, for a character who's supposed to be. to him and he just sort of, he's just so passive the entire time. Yeah. And oh, he's yeah, supposed yeah. to be like the chosen one to, to lead <laughs> yeah. everyone. And he's like, I guess I could, I guess I could. <sighs> okay. Like he, he never really goes through, the f- like, the hero's journey at all. Like, he never really, like, struggles. No. No. No, he like, doesn't. He's just like, oh, well, okay. He just stoically just does everything. And then his dad, who's the exact same age as him, dies. And that's sad, I guess. <laughs> his dad, who's also, like, a little gremlin man with the most bizarre <laughs> accent I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, Paul's <laughs> accent changed quite a bit throughout the movie. Yeah, but it didn't... Paul's accent just kind of like shifted intensity, whereas like Duke Leto's accent shifted latitude. Like we <laughs> we changed like location of the world. Like our coordinates kept changing. <laughs> but I want to I want to continue on with the movie because I want to mention when Patrick Stewart shouts, "Mood! What does mood have to do with it?" And both of them just remain standing completely still. <laughs> like there's no there's no indication that like I am gonna start fighting you because he's like, wait, I. It's this realization of. Oh, I guess he really did have to be in the mood. <laughs> like well, Kyle said he wasn't in the mood to act. And Patrick just <laughs> had to get him with a little, <laughs> a little something something to get the scene going. So that's why they got him. It wasn't for credibility. It was because they couldn't get anyone to do anything. And they were like, who's a motivating factor? Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. You'll act in front of Patrick Stewart, right? He got the X-Men to go do something. I don't know. Let's see if he can do something to our guys. I have a note that I don't really know what the context was when I wrote it, but it says UA looks like a roadie for a 1970s funk band. <laughs> I mean, I, if I knew who that was, I would agree with you. The doctor. The Lincoln, I can't. Forehead. Thank you, Preston. Lincoln, why would you say the doctor and not, he had a diamond on his forehead. <laughs> Cause he's Dr. UA. That's his whole shtick. Okay. Remember he puts a tooth in, in Duke Leto's mouth the later t- on. Yeah. The tooth. tooth. 
the tooth. <laughs> the tooth. Can we talk about their stupid shields that look terrible? Oh, absolutely. I kind of like them. Lincoln, I know you kind of like them. That's why I'm doing this. Because you told us, I, you told us like a year and a half ago when the last dude, no, no, I'm not counting that. That isn't my reference. When another movie came out. When I feel another like that's movie fine. That's not out, a direct comparison. Okay, yeah. When, when Blade uh, Runner 2049 came out. <laughs> Blade Runner 2049 came out. When Meg 2 The Trench came out, Lincoln, you said you said that the, you preferred the shields on this 1987 or 84 movie. And I went into this being like, okay, I'm open-minded. Let's see what they look like. They look like Roblox, my dude. They look terrible. Yeah, they do. I kind of like them. I like that they're dumb looking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think they're fun. I have no defense to that because they are dumb looking. And I just, I guess, I guess if you were into that, great. I just, I agree with every part of the sentence to the last step, which is, yeah, I like them. I have mixed I I, feelings. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, like I, like the, the, the very boxy, like really fits with the eighties sci-fi stank. It um, does. Which I think this movie just Preston, exudes. I love we're going to have a stank counter because I love it when you use the word stank. It's my favorite thing. I feel like a little victory every time you say it. It's like, yes, I am definitely the one who taught him that. <laughs> but the the shields, like it's, I feel like the only time that they really get used is that one scene. Yeah, if they had used it any other time, I think it would have been a more, a more fun effect. Can exactly. you, oh, it would have been incredible if the whole army was just a bunch of big square men. <laughs> Just walking around like Roblox characters, like floating slightly above their the surface of the ground. Yeah, carrying their blocky swords, these like shitty ass gingerbread man army. (laughs) Oh, that would have been something. Now I'm sad. (laughs) Yeah, I think they ran out of rotoscoping budget after they filmed, after they edited that scene. They're like, oh, shoot. Well, this looks really good. Too bad we can't ever use it again. Is there a chance that they did it and they went, this looks really bad, but we don't. want to do it again yeah that might have been it as well i feel like they just put it in Um, there because it's an important it's like a whole thing in the book um let's explain more and they're like oh we have to have the shields in there and then they're just well the shield fight scene is like one of the better like one of the most fun scenes from the book oh yeah for sure um so it makes sense that they'd want to include it oh but you know what's not in the book a weirding module Right. Yeah. Okay. I had to double check and yeah, that has never come up ever in the book. No, it has not. I'm and so glad you guys are saying choice. that cuz I I I feel like I didn't really comprehend the book Dune too good when I read it. I got the basics, <laughs> but there's so many things people will talk about Dune and they're like, "Oh yeah, when this happens." And I'm like, "Yep. I I for sure remember that." Definitely. And I was like, I just when they showed that weird thing, I was like, all right, sure. I could see that being in the book. I don't know. Yeah, it's not in the book. It's not even a little bit in the book. Terrible choice. And, cause and also, it doesn't make deal. any sense at all. Right. And they make a huge deal that, like, you know, this is the, like, this equipment is the reason that the Emperor is, like, destroying House Atreides. Yeah, because they invented guns again. Right. <laughs> guns, too. I- more guns. Guns to the sequel, the trench. <laughs> so they don't explain like why they matter. Like, like they could. No, they don't, and they oh, don't really explain what they are these, either. Like penetrate shields or something. And like, yeah. there you go. There's and a reason now. It suddenly makes sense. I remember in the book, the worry was that Duke was like a charismatic, good leader that people cared about and liked. And they're like, nah, 
Nah, he's he's just invented guns too. The sequel to Guns. <laughs> Again, I don't want to assume too much here, but is there a chance they just cast the wrong guy and they were like, well, no one's gonna buy him as a cool man that we like. So what if we, I don't know, guns? <laughs> what if we gave him guns too? <laughs> that actually may have been a, a decision when they saw him and Kyle McLaughlin like both were just little, little nasty gremlin boys, <laughs> and they were like. They, they're smiling deviously and like walking on their tiptoes my, <laughs> off and onto the set. My want for them to, for, for Paul specifically to continue acting like that for the rest of the movie is unimaginably large. Like I, <laughs> that would have made this movie a 10 out of 10 for me. If he was just every time going around in his little like, like weird, weird flying machine. And he's like, hee hee, we got it. Oh, the spice. Like seeing him open his eyes really wide and then go sweep him from side to side and be like, the prophecy's about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or if he just likes a big worm comes out and he's like, nah, worm. Haha, <laughs> 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 it's a worm. I, I heard him coming. <laughs> I hate everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so much. If I may, it would be an equally accurate representation of the character from the book, I would say. It would be <laughs> on the same level of accuracy. Yeah, but way I guess less like nuance. Was and there like, nuance here? You, there, there was so much nuance in Kyle McLaughlin's. <laughs> no, no, that's what Jonathan's saying. The, oh, the, the portrayal, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. The portrayal yeah. right now is the same distance from the book as Little Gremlin Paul is from the book. I'm not. I'm not saying that if in a hypothetical world they were to remake this movie hypothetically, this doesn't count and cast some sort of I don't know hypothetical little weasel looking child again all hypothetical um, I'm not saying that I would and want have, him to act have a like hypothetical that. French director famous for rebooting sci-fi franchises Just hypothetically, hypothetically let's say they did that let's say they did that I wouldn't want him to act like either of those all I'm saying is if he had been more impish and weird it would have been equally true to the book as the original movies already is and it would have been more fun to watch all right I'll give you that one Yes, I fought for that one. I worked hard for that one. <laughs> you really did. Was, did, you was the it. payoff what you were hoping for? Not even a little bit. Not okay. even slightly. <laughs> it's so disappointing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the next thing that happens. This movie is so disjointed. It's really hard to like think about it, it really chronologically. Is. Lincoln, if it helps, you could just say another thing that happens is. <laughs> <laughs> Not the next thing. Time is meaningless now. The spice <laughs> must flow. <laughs> we have to fold space and time. <laughs> another thing that was not in the books the the guild navigators don't fold space and time they just see it more clearly because sure. of the spice so <laughs> another thing that happens in this movie is paul has a paul has a crazy <laughs> flashback uh he sees sting he sees a second moon he sees what i wrote oh he sees the water droplets what movie studio uses that water droplet it's oh, like ron howard studio or something he uses like a droplet falling into a bucket what dr- the, the DreamWorks Dream, intro? DreamWorks kind of starts with that. Yeah. It does. What's But there's one that's just a water droplet. Nothing else. It's nothing else. So it's just like the start of the DreamWorks thing? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think I think the studio you're thinking of is Drit. <laughs> it's Lincoln, it's Drit. It's the start, it's the start of DreamWorks. <laughs> the beginning of DreamWorks. It's the, it's the start of DreamWorks. <laughs> That's not the end. This movie did bad things to me. <laughs> what else happens, um, Lincoln? What's this, other stuff? This this little sequence right here with the rain and the flashbacks and the kind of dream theater, weird, random art house nonsense that's happening. 
to me is the strongest part of the movie is when it just like leans all the way into the symbolism all the way into the style and doesn't care at all about like telling the story like those are those are the moments that i feel like the movie really shines um but like everything good in life it cannot stay for long (laughs) and so another thing that happens is that uh the Bene Gesserit visit Paul and I subject him to the Gamja bar in a little windowless closet room. Yeah. Uh, with we're, one of the worst sets in the whole movie, somebody. which actually is saying a lot because the movie has a lot of sets, a lot of great sets. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? Or? Oh, okay. Yeah. Is this, this is, is this the box or is this the needle? This is the Gamja bar, the box, the animal, okay. the human, I, nothing I for the, the father, nothing. The, the spice must flow. The I thought the that was the needle. The yes. The Gamja bar is the needle. The box is just the box that has pain in it. Oh, Lincoln, it kind of Oh, the like pain! You, sounds like you just got schooled a little bit, and then you're just trying to sort of pretend like you didn't, but you did, and <laughs> we all heard it and saw it. The Gamja bar is the test. The Gamja yeah. bar is the whole test. It's not, though. It's pretty much definitely the needle, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the box. Okay, fine. The bar is the punishment. <laughs> okay, continue. So, um... I <laughs> I, I feel just like one of the many things that happens in this movie this yeah this is just a thing that happened i i feel so strongly about so much of this movie that the things that are notable are not so much the important plot parts but the bits where in between where they just it felt like they were like we have to get from here to here let's just <laughs> let's just have a baron flying around a room going rah, 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 like that <laughs> that to me is what's good about this movie so the box is is fine i guess but it's just a box it's just a box, and the book said a thing happened in the box, and then that thing happens in the box. But like, I really do like when uh, when Paul shouts, "The pain!" I mean, that is quite good. But that's also, I mean, he's doing the same thing all the time. He's like, "Arrakis, Dune, Desert Planet, Arrakis, Dune, <laughs> Dune, Desert Planet, Desert Planet." The spice must flow. Yeah, like, the there's, flow. there's just so much. If you told me, if someone told me that there, if every 15 seconds, if you just paid attention to every 15 seconds for, let's say, like three frames, that it left a message that was like, the devil is real, all shall pay, I would believe you because this movie's weird <laughs> enough that it seems like they were trying to do something that nobody else knew about. They, they kind of are. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, one of the most frustrating things about this movie is that it feels at the same time rushed as like mind-numbingly boring. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think the problem is that the first hour and a half, I would say, are just like, okay, oh, what do I have to say? That's a cool set. Okay. And then they went here <laughs> and then they went here. And then the last like 40 minutes of the movie are just like, oh, and then the story actually happened. <laughs> But and this story actually starts. It's so quick that it has to be like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then he falls in love, and then I just, I guess we're just going to pretend like that's normal. That he falls in love? Oh, there's even more that like gets totally hand-waved away, and we'll get to it. Yeah. What did you guys think about the um, narrate? Everybody has an inner monologue that you can hear all the time. Because I thought, I kind of thought it was a good way of representing how the books are. Because in the books, every, every character is always like, you're the omniscient narrator, so you get to read every character's thoughts, and I thought this was actually a pretty effective way to, to translate that. I mean, it made it made me brutally aware of what, like, a Dune anime would look like. <laughs> so. Explain? 
So you're for it? <laughs> I'm not for it. No, I'm not. That's not a, a that is not a, a saying that it's good. That's that's not an endorsement of the idea. That's me saying if they made a Dune anime, Paul would definitely be like the pain. Oh no, I must run from here. Whoa, like it's it's not good. <laughs> Preston, as someone who knows the book better than me, what did you think of that? Like, is that is that a good thing to you? Is is Lincoln right that it's bookish? You know, <laughs> it is in the book. I, I do not think it translates particularly well to the, the big screen. Mm. Um, it's just so, like, jarring. And I think there's just, there's so much narration, because there's narration, and then there's inner monologue, and then, like, it just all sort of gets just <laughs> mushed together. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, I feel like they they were trying to ca- like the move like they were trying to carry the movie on that instead of actually making a good movie that would show you what was happening versus telling you. Mm-hmm. A yeah, resounding well, endorsement. This movie from is all for telling you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I don't I have a better idea, Preston. What if it was only telling? It was only telling? Well, then, yeah, yeah, what if you spent a ridiculous amount of money on gorgeous, well-designed, handmade set pieces and you used exactly none of them to convey the story? Well, at that point, you might as well just read the book and not even bother with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might have been what David Lynch did, though. <laughs> He's like, I've built, I've built these wonderful, beautiful places. Okay, now let's do the book. All right, now everybody say the stuff they say in the book. Say, what does he say in the book, Paul? Kyle, Paul. Uh, he says he says I'm not in the mood, <laughs> David. Okay, we'll say that. Okay, I'm not in the mood. Patrick, what does he say in the book? He says mood has nothing to do with it. Okay, say that. <laughs> mood has nothing to do with it. <laughs> David Lynch goes, yep, we got it in one. Good, nailed it. Great, good job. <laughs> Just cut out the parts where I'm talking to them. This so feels good. another this... thing that happens. Can I, oh, no. What? No. <laughs> I've de- what? I've decided. I've decided no. <laughs> I'm taking this opportunity to make my to cash in my chips and make my official comparison to Good Dune, Ooh, the good movie here Dune. We go. I kind of forgot the Good Dune existed because I've been willfully trying to like not <laughs> compare it in my mind. Well, yeah, All right, because you love the the bad Dune so much. You're so just <laughs> I really do love this so movie. horny for bad Dune. All right, so my exact note says take a second to compare this to the new one i like how we have little interludes where they explain almost too much where the new one is just like oh you don't remember the one time we said quizats hatterack and like an hour and a half go under our breath in the middle of an explosion well we can't hold your hand the whole way through like this movie (laughs) if you need to understand good dune watch this movie because it's definitely going to tell you all the things that good dune tells you but like louder and with less stuff going on <laughs> this movie is like an annotated version of the good dune yeah it's like the life application study dune <laughs> it's perfect john i literally have i'm gonna scroll up because i feel so good about what you just said <laughs> it says i'm trying to find it watching these emperor scenes is like watching behind the scenes of the bible <laughs> Oh, it really is. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like if you're having a hard time understanding the chosen, just check out like a kid's Bible and then that'll make sense yeah. to you. And then you can go watch the chosen again and you'll be like, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> um, another thing that happens is is a scene I really want to talk about, which is the entrance of Baron and the entrance of the best character 
fade Ralva. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> for sure. There's, re- there's really not a lot. There's more exposition. The Baron's told told about the spice and about and about how it must flow, <laughs> and then um, and he has just a gross, terrible face filled with pus and and pores and oh yeah, his scars. It's, it's so poppable his face. It's <laughs> <laughs> like it's the worst and yet the best way to describe it. <laughs> It's true though. Like everything in me wants to just reach into the screen and just Doctor Pimple Popper it. He won't. <laughs> just scrape, scrape from top to bottom and just clear, <laughs> clean house, clean, clean slate, <laughs> grow new skin, start over. You're a new man. <laughs> You're fresh. You were born again. <laughs> the spice must flow. <laughs> I really, I actually really do like Sting as Fade Ralva, and I like that none of us know what Sting looks like. Like, that's not just, like, a common face that we all know. <laughs> and so when it shows his entrance and you hear the electric guitar swell mm. and strike as he steps into the frame, you're just like, I am I am sure this is someone important. And if you didn't know it was Sting, you would have no, like, reason to believe that it was Sting. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like if you hadn't seen any other Spider-Man movies and then you watch No Way Home and Andrew Garfield comes oh, on yeah. and you're like, that's a guy, I guess, because everybody stopped talking for 20 seconds. <laughs> no, it's a yeah, great so entrance. Got- I mean, the like leader the, of of the police, I'll be watching you. The man himself, Sting. And I do like. That I don't have that anything more to say. Sting's character does absolutely nothing in this movie besides make really cool entrances, and then like one fight at the end. You know what though? I think yes. that preserves more of what's interesting about Fade in the book than <laughs> any other character's choices, <laughs> any other actor's choices. Also, if we're being honest with ourselves, isn't that kind of what we all want from life is just to walk into rooms, have everybody be like, nice, cool abs, and then just fight one guy eventually. <laughs> fight one guy eventually and and die a, a terrible, tragic, shameful death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and go out <laughs> die, dying doing what we love, living in misery and shame. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. Um, the Baron can fly. Um they they send him a young man to like eat i think i had some questions about that what were we supposed to what were we supposed to believe about what he was doing is it yeah yeah like it is he a vampire is he is he drinking his blood does does that kid have that weird were, um, goo? insinuating is he just like he was, he was sexually like into it what's what's going on here i think really there's no wrong answer <laughs> I think there are. I think there are some wrong I, answers. I disagree, Preston. I think there are. There, yeah, there are some wrong answers too. To what is this terrible, gross Baron doing with this young man? I would say, like, raising him as his own would be a good wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's a there's a fair amount of like face fondling, and then he like rips out his like weird like Matrix plug. Yeah, which we never. He was. I don't know what that is. Is it like connected to your blood? Like it's all your blood. Comes out of there. I, it seems like it. It seems like that's his Capri <laughs> I, well, Sun pouch, yeah. open hole. That. That's his little bug box that. that you squish the bug and drink <laughs> so, it out so, of the so juice much. box. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I, that would have been something that I would have liked Lady Jorel to tell me about at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice if she came back as a third time and fourth time and was like, oh, also hold on, before we get this thing started, you're gonna see a guy get a plug ripped out of his body. Here's what that is. <laughs> here's what that is <laughs> david lynch saw some really cool concept art 
And he went with it, and no one ever asked him what it was or why he chose to do it. David Lynch was taking a bath, and then he just, in a mad cocaine binge, wrote down, what if boy had plug? <laughs> David Lynch was especially hungry, and he asked that a young man be brought to the set so we could rip him apart with his bare hands and consume him. <laughs> Famed vampire or cannibal David Lynch. <laughs> I don't I don't know how I don't know where to go from here. I don't know. Do you guys remember the the bug juice box? Did you see that? The Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. I don't know if anyone heard me, I didn't but yes. hear it. It was I a lot to take in. <laughs> that bug juice box is is so disgusting. I don't know And yet it like, just sort how of gets villainous like, do you need to be? Totally passed over because it's not yeah. the craziest thing in that scene. That's it's true. Like, oh, it's, or whatever. Like, it is somehow impact. It's like a thing that I think about and probably will for many years. <laughs> Not even in a disgusted way. Just like, do, is it is it disposable? Does he have to open it up and get new bugs? Like, it seems wasteful to just throw that whole apparatus away it's like to French me. French press. You just use it and then you empty it out. It's like French press. <laughs> like, how how much juice is in a bug that would necessitate like a dedicated juice extraction procedure? I mean, I guess two sips worth it looked like yeah it's very little also it looked like it was designed to be two sips worth of bug yeah there wasn't a lot of room for extra bug sip juice no maybe if you you like pop that open does he like you could probably put a couple in there but if you like pull the thing to the top does it become a cool vape like what (laughs) what happened there's gotta be the vapes the vapes the blood of of innocent children right you can pull their plug Is everyone hook up your vape and clicks in like USB? This is this is where all this scene is where all of my questions started. Is everyone born (laughs) with a plug in this universe? Not in. I mean, no, no, because they mentioned that they installed it onto Thufir later. Is that the same thing? Yeah. Why didn't he? Why didn't he suck that guy's plug? That doesn't sound good. Why didn't he? (laughs) Why didn't he drain that boy? That doesn't sound good either. Why didn't he? You just keep on digging there, bud. Use the plug. Why did he open up that man? Yes. <laughs> why did why didn't he deflower that man? I think because he because he wanted his mentat knowledge. Oh, okay. But again, that never comes up. Great. It comes up a lot in the book, but not in the movie. <laughs> the guild never navigator sequence is kind of the next big thing chronologically. Is that? Um, is that? Re- oh. That's where we are now. Yes, Preston. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. Did you think we had more or less left to talk about? I, don't, I you know, I feel like we we'd maybe hit like the middle of the movie by this point. <laughs> no, we're no, we're like 35 minutes what, in. Minutes, Boys, this maybe. this might be a double episode, my guys. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, it is it not going be. to be. It can't be. Maybe, maybe. We haven't even been talking for an hour yet. It's going to be the exact same pace as the movie. Where the first bit, you're like, oh man, are they going to get to it? And then the last half an hour of this podcast is going to be tremendous. It's going to be mad dash to the top. Yeah. That'll be in the show notes. Hey, just skip the first like hour and a half. Listen to the last 20 minutes. You'll get all the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Or better yet, just read Dune. Yeah, you certainly could do that. Or, you know, watch... I don't know. Maybe there's a, a good version of Dune out there. Hypothetically, of, oh, Preston, course. Hypothetically are of you, course. Are you cashing in or are you oh, just I'm we're talking hypothetical still? Comparison. <laughs> I'm just throwing, I'm just, just <laughs> just throwing it out there. Another option. Hypothetically, if, if they were to do great value Tom Holland in 
a movie. <laughs> I don't have. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of a. This movie is bewildering. I, I can't. Know, I can't think of the next thing to say. What? Um, um, some other stuff. Some other stuff that happens. I. I. I'll say every time it goes to the like art house, dream theater psychedelic parts. I'm way more on board with it. Good stuff. Well, that's what really like, all the, really all the like purely the visual elements are way stronger. I feel like yeah, that and the the monster effects, the creature effects. The creature effects are good too. Rock yeah. solid. And so like if this was more psychedelic and less community theater, I think it would have been a much better film. And it would have been a shorter film too. Which wouldn't hurt. It really wouldn't. It could it could have shaved a, a cool 40 minutes <laughs> off that old runtime. <laughs> uh we arrive on Dune, the planet. Um you know, just like normal, the city is amazing looking. Rotoscope work is very good for the time. Oh, Set yeah. design is next level. I actually really like the still suits design. Yeah, it's I like, pretty cool. They're they're kind of interesting and different in their own way, and it it like totally reads how kind of you can imagine it from the book. Oh, this is another thing I really like about Dune the book, which I think <laughs> this movie I'm gonna cash in. I'm gonna cash in. Oh, he's cashing in. I'm cashing in. Here we go. One thing that the book emphasizes a lot is that there was some sort of, um, they call it the Butlerian Jihad. And it was this like revolution against digital computing and like artificial intelligence. And so the book makes it really clear that everything that we would like probably have like a digital chip to do is made by dedicated analog circuitry that can't, you know, have intelligence. And I really, I think this movie does a really good job of really like fleshing out this idea of it's all like vacuum tubes and, and trans and like old, analog switches and pipes and dials and i really like this kind of like it's it's like a pre-steampunk almost this feeling of like all analog technology but being used by really advanced humans to create complicated machinery Mm. so you've chosen to cash your chips in and talk about old good dune and not new good dune Oh, I forgot to actually compare it. I don't think the new Good Dune, I don't think Good Dune does as much to, uh, to. you know what? Actually, I'm just going to, I'm going to cut out the part where I said cash in and I'm just going to keep the part where I said this because I realized that there was no reason to compare this oh, to, so to you've, the new you've Dune. Oh, so you've chosen to retract your cash in. Yeah. I got to be honest, most, I didn't really use it. Like most of the time, do they don't let you do that, but it's okay because you're, you're just, just living your best life. Well, I mean, and he's got, final control over the edit anyways that's true There's nothing we can it do. doesn't matter what we say no it doesn't matter what we say the podcast well, it we really should, should have called this podcast it doesn't matter what we say we can subtitle it whenever we want <laughs> twinkie talk brought to you by the evening brothers colon it doesn't matter what we say a, and then a the second colon the trench the trench <laughs> And then what did what did Preston say last week? It's so much worse than I remember, but so much funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we enter a thopter, and it looks like a VIP lounge from a strip club made in the seventies. Sure does. So so terrible. It is like the. It's one, like a little square on the inside. It is that is the one thing, like the one time I think they dropped the ball with like the set design. A hundred percent. It's horrible. It's just this dumb little looking. It's so yeah. bad. The inside, like, the outside, just terrible. It's sexy terrible. as fuck, but terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's moody. You know, like I, I love a a, a well lit you know moody evening in there. Lincoln, dare uh, I say it's it's vibey? 
It's it is vibey. I would <laughs> having a room like that to like listen to funk albums would be excellent. You absolutely would have a room that looks like that. I know. I'm kind of surprised you don't already have a room that looks like that. I'm a li- I'm really sad that I don't already. I wrote that uh, Duke Leto did not hit her. <laughs> and I think it's because his voice reminds me of Tommy Wiseau. That's kind of what it is. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it's this is this is kind of the room. It is it is a little the room. The acting is about on par with the room. Um so we get to the the scene that is also really pivotal in the book and a really pivotal in or would be really pivotal if you were making a a hypothetical dune with a guy from Moon Knight in it. Um <laughs> And so we see the a worm attacks a mining vessel and they race down and rescue everybody. Like this whole movie, this scene is shot with no sauce and basically no drama at all. No. It's just some people walking onto a sh- It might as well be like a TSA line. <laughs> One line I wanted to call attention to would was uh, a, a, a worker brushes past Paul and Paul like sniffs and he gets a whiff of the spice and he goes pure unrefined spice um pure and unrefined are literally opposites <laughs> well, it's not a mix of refined and unrefined Lincoln maybe literally no unrefined no he said pure <laughs> and unrefined something can't be pure and unrefined that doesn't make any sense I I'm not going to debate that with you. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> the sandworms are very good. We like the sandworms. The sandworms worms. do look good. Like I mean, they're they're like ridiculous, but in the in the good way that I think hits that sweet spot that I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I like their little trifold heads. I think those look actually. Oh, no, I'm not going to cash in yet. Hey, I really so like the trifold Lincoln, heads. It was so <laughs> close. Oh, you are on right thin up to that line. ice right there. <laughs> I like the um, the hunter. So the hunter seeker scene is what happens next, where Paul's laying in his bed and a what looks like a tiny shrunken Flash Gordon spaceship enters onto his room. And there's one shot of it um, roving across um, the top of the bed, and you see its shadow kind of dip and rise as it goes over the folds. And that is like the single most interesting shot in the whole movie. <laughs> it's uh, it's really sad. It's like it it actually feels like using visual language to kind of tell uh, a story. I think this is about the time that I wrote um, that we're now like an hour and 10 minutes into this two hour and four minute movie. And I'm going to have a panic attack because I know that there aren't two parts and this is like not at all <laughs> you close know to that half. The rest of it has to happen. <laughs> yeah. When, when you realize that the pacing is is just like on par with if you were making it a two-part movie and you're like, what is, what's going to happen? Yeah, like if you, I checked this, if you were to hypothetically make a, a new kind of Dune, an adaptation of this, uh, hypothetically with Stuart Little as your lead, um, this would be <laughs> about 10 minutes uh, ahead of the other one. Like max <laughs> 10 minutes ahead. Wow, that's amazing. It's horrible. So next, um, the attack happens. It happens apropos of almost nothing. <laughs> Preston, Preston has decided reached... to just begin reading the book, dude. <laughs> he just He's going to have a better time. He just dialogue. picked up Frank Herbert's dude. I'm curious. <laughs> He's out. Wait, what are you checking? We're not going to hear from him again. <laughs> he, just re- he just reads dude for the rest of the, of the 
podcast. <laughs> Please do. So I'm, I'm curious. I he really I is. Was, he really is I just reading it now. I wasn't aware that was an option. I know. I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to compare the pacing of the book versus the, the okay. movie. I, I promise I'm not just going to like. I'm willing to bet that the pacing is very similar. It probably is. Because the book is not the most expedient storytelling it's not no it's, it's not very well paced at all slow. and um, it also just slam a jam so much content into the like final <laughs> the book. last like it's like paul lived his whole life and the whole story happened <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like what if we talked about all the intricacies of what it would be like to live on this desert planet and then it got like 600 pages in and he went ah oh, fuck um and then there's um a story he wins <laughs> well <laughs> So, so uh, they get attacked. All the weirding modules get destroyed. And it's like, oh, oh no. Without the weirding modules, we wouldn't be able to um, uh, uh, use them. <laughs> without our guns, we won't be able to shoot guns. We won't be able to shoot our guns without our special guns. And then um, one, of the best, one of the best scenes in the whole movie happens when uh, Gurney, uh, Patrick Stewart, it shouts... Uh, I think he says for the Duke and he <laughs> runs into battle. But the best thing about it is he's holding the pug yes. while this happens. Oh, it's my favorite. <laughs> it's like, why'd you take the pug into battle? But I mean, I guess I, I commend him. There was a brief moment in my viewing of this film where I saw him and then I saw the pug and I just for a single fleeting second, I thought, is this the, is this the best movie that's ever been made? like it was that was such a high high for me that for just a second i was like this might be the best thing i've ever seen i love so they uh they kidnap paul and jessica and they're both like you know sedated and they've got handcuffs on and they're on the floor and then um the baron comes in and goes i'd like to spit once on your head (laughs) and then he does that (laughs) he certainly does it's very gross to watch but I just, I don't know, the feeling of just someone just saying, I would like to do this. And well, sure enough, he did it. <laughs> and then he does. And then he goes, ah, simple pleasures. <laughs> Preston, what you find out? I couldn't find it in the book. But it does seem like the pacing in the book mirrors this adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> the only adaptation, of course. Yes, the best I, adaptation. Yes. Like we, this we, is... we don't have to, like... No, nope. well, you know, we're too, point, wait, Preston, we we're, are we're too deep in the, the paint. Bit. Yeah, we're, we're committed to the bit at this point. You can't start <laughs> questioning that now. To, to cash in is to like accept a strange alternate universe where a better version <laughs> uh, of this I movie see, did I get see. made. Yeah. Okay, okay. Which, of course, Lincoln has not done yet. He certainly hasn't even. I have not. And, I, and I plan started. on using it later. Um, <laughs> one note that I have that I, I think you will relate to. This is, I wrote this right around when they crash the ship into the desert after they fight off the, the Harkonnens on their little thopter. The little rapist guys? I just write, yeah, the little rapist guys. I just wrote, I don't like when Paul talks out loud in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Yeah, I just don't like it. (laughs) I, I, I can confirm. Or when he thinks, or when he's on screen. The music in this scene is very good. The sad music about his father dying is is very good music. It almost makes you feel something. It almost, it really does almost make me feel something. <laughs> That's right there. In the book, they have to hike across the desert. Uh, and it's really like, it's actually a very, it's a longish section of the book of them finding their way across the desert on that first night. Uh, 
in the movie, this hike takes a cool 45 seconds. Yeah, it's like they look and they go, oh, that rock right next to us. We should go to it. There's also oh, when Paul goes suspense to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, none at all. Interesting caring about the scene, nothing. No. Do you guys feel like this was a factor of them just, it just they just couldn't be bothered to film in a desert? Like, so they... They really didn't want to, did they? It feels like they really were just, like, so averse to it. They're like, no, we'll just blue screen everything. And it yeah. seems like, aren't you worried that might make it feel like they're never actually part of the planet that this movie is freaking named after? <laughs> And then they go, no, it's going to be fine. They're like, it's going to be great. I made a racer head. Get off my back about it. Let's go. <laughs> I made a racer head. Get off my ass, dude. The spice must flow. Spice has got to like, flow, my dude. David, you keep saying that we don't know what it means. <laughs> then you don't get it. The spice must flow. The more you say it, the more sense it, it has to make, right? Is it? I mean, I've said it so many times and it makes complete sense to me. Now, I was so. going to say it's starting to make sense to me. And I'm not sure what that says. <laughs> It's the same thing with, uh, what's what's this other thing that, John, you were all worked up over? Arrakis Dune, Desert Planet? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I get worked Dune. up a there's, lot. There's very desert planets. Like, there's very little film in the desert. So they just figured, oh, the more that we say that, the more they'll remember, oh, yeah, this That's... is on a desert planet. Yeah, they're like, it's a desert movie. They definitely said desert a lot. <laughs> but this movie is humid. It's humid as fuck. Yeah. Like, this movie's got some moisture in the air. That's a wet-ass <laughs> movie, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> they meet the Fremen. Paul and uh, Paul and Jessica meet the Fremen, who are revealed in actually kind of a cool reveal when the lightning strikes and you see all of them at the same time. Yeah, pretty solid. I was like, ah, David David Lynch, he's a, he's a tricky one. He decided to show <laughs> he, up to set that day. <laughs> he decided to make a movie. <laughs> you never know what he's going to do next. Sometimes he's going to make a movie, and sometimes he's going to, you know... De- Arrakis Dune Desert planted us into <laughs> into oblivion. They reach an agreement very, very, very quickly with the Fremen. It was like basically they, zero deliberation. It was like they went in the, that whole situation with the Fremen. To me, feels like they both were just sort of on walks and happened to run into each other, and then they went, "Well, we might as well hang out." Like that's the energy that I get <laughs> from that. It's like like meeting a meeting a friend that you hadn't expected to see, but you really you really were glad that you ran into him. Yeah, and then you're like, do you want to get coffee? Sure, sure, why not? You know, Let's since we're it. both here, we might as well you take unite out the... our peoples and destroy the Harkonnens. Yeah, yeah, we might as well like take on the whole well, universe. We'll see. I have a gift card. Okay. <laughs> My number one gripe with this movie is they cut out a very 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 important thing that happens where Paul has to fight another dude to be accepted into the tribe. That's and yeah. And it's like the best scene in the whole book. Yeah. And it's like, kind yeah, of a critical I'm turning mad. point for him and his character and everything else that happens. Yeah. Um, and they just like completely left it out. Not important. Um, no. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's the, the biggest issue with this book uh, or with this movie. And I mean, hypothetically, if you made a better version, I feel like having that scene be very strong and impactful would be incredibly important and cool. You might even put it as the climax of your movie were you to hypothetically break it into two parts if you felt like it. interesting. Yeah, were you to hypothetically put Willy Wonka in as your lead. (laughs) You were going to put Wonka in? Yes, I think if you were to hypothetically make another movie, um, when you could absolutely break it into two parts, especially if you had that shithead from Lady Bird as your main kind of guy, that would help a lot. 
What else, Lincoln? What's other Dune stuff? Talk about Dune <laughs> Desert Planet. Talk about Dune Desert Planet. The spice must flow. Um, <laughs> the Baron. We have a scene with a Baron uh, telling his other nephew. What's his other nephew's name? Raban. Rava. Raban. That's what it is. Beast Raban. He says he says the words squeeze like five or six times, and I love it every time. Once again, something that they never fully explain in the movie. Why there's two nephews. No, he goes, I want you to squeeze Arrakis and (laughs) squeeze. (laughs) Which, again, Raban shows up like twice after that. Yeah, and in not important moments, if I remember right. Yeah. During this whole time, the Baron is circling in a mad dash around a column of water. Yeah. And he's, he's doing a little fly motion. Uh, and we don't know what the motion is for and we don't know what's happening and we don't know why there's a guy with a remote control pointed at the column of water. And yet the water parts and sting himself steps out wearing an Eagle, a metal Eagle speedo. He's, I mean, it's beautiful. He, he would have made a great Namor if they were to ever make a a fantastic four movie. Right around that time. It would have been perfect. I wrote, my note says, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens next, Lincoln? Um, the next thing that happens is um, <clears throat> the um, the spice must flow. And so they give Lady Jessica the spice and they um, transfer her consciousness over. And for a movie that just you know, gets off on explaining away all the interesting nuancey parts of Dune. There is very, very little explanation for this just crazy scene. Yeah, almost happen. none. Almost to the point where it's like, why'd you even, I think it's to your point, John, where it's like, oh, it said it in the book. Like they had no thematic reason to include this, but they just, they had to. It was in the book. So was his weird nephew. Like it, this feels <laughs> like if, if I made a Dune movie, this is the kind of Dune movie I would make because, again, I didn't really understand Dune. <laughs> so it's like, it's like maybe if I just put everything that was in Dune in the movie, then it will like it'll assemble into whatever Dune is. <laughs> it's gotta be good. People love that shit. So I mean, why wouldn't it go perfectly? They asked four people, like they they had a a, a test audience, and they said, "All right, you, what was the most important thing from Dune?" And they just asked everybody. And that's what they decided to put in. <laughs> and the script was their answers verbatim. <laughs> can you can you imagine being a test audience for this movie? Because you'd have to, they would have to come to you and be like, "What'd you think?" And you'd have to be like, "I don't remember at all. Like, I don't know what I just saw." I don't think, I think there was a test audience, I mean, and that was one of the issues. <laughs> <laughs> there was probably there was definitely not a test audience, which there, is a little bit like this kind of movie could not be made now. Like this level of like craziness would not get definitely not a wide theatrical release like no. this one did. No chance. And part of the reason Which that that wouldn't sad. happen is because this one beefed it so hard in the box office. <laughs> it did. Uh, just a quick a quick check in. Do you think if they had made a Dune in like the early two thousands, Bill Murray would have been a good Baron? Yeah. Preston is nodding. He's nodding with like a huh. Because here's the thing, yeah, right? I you think either, so. There's two ways you go from this movie. You either make a, a better version and really make it like very serious and like, you know, very dramatic and like lean into the mythology. Or you just really go off the rails and lean into the uh, acid trippiness. Um, 
and, and Bill Murray, I feel like, would really fit that direction well. If I can... If I can offer a counterpoint to that... I, I welcome counterpoints. I watched a movie today called Seed of Chucky, and and it opened with sperm, little animated CGI sperm from a killer doll um, impregnating someone. That was the opening shot of that movie. And it wasn't the craziest movie I watched today. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know how much further off the rails you can go, legally speaking, for this movie. I, I, I don't hate the idea of Bill Murray. I just, I think if you got, if you got more of a lost in translation Bill Murray and less of a Ghostbusters Bill Murray, that would be the kind of thing you'd want to go for. Yeah, I agree. Like a Bill Murray who's, who's like really in his element, but ta- and taking the role seriously. Yeah. Now, if you got Jim Carrey, that would be Jim Carrey is fake. Okay, hang on. That's actually who I had in my head for my second option. Craziness. (laughs) Jim Carrey? Yeah. I know you said Bill Murray. As the Baron? Jim Carrey, yeah, in my head for some reason. That would be fun. Absolutely. The spice must flow. Baron. The spice must flow because if it doesn't flow, (laughs) he would actually be able to sell the, like, fact that the Baron could fly. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you really lean into the craziness more. Johnny and Paul are now in love. Paul is in command of the Fremen. And now he's got to catch a worm, guys. This is the home stretch. We got to just run now. Just yeah. like the movie. Just like the book. Um, how, how do we know that they're There's two kids that are always Lincoln. in the scene. They're, how do we know they're in love? Because Irulan said. Yep. <laughs> Paul caught a worm. He caught a worm by lightly jogging next to it. Yeah. Once again, Preston, a you're, scene um, that should be so cool and is so terrible <laughs> and has zero drama, interest, intrigue, absolutely There's nothing. nothing. Preston, you you are a climber. How's his grip? How's his worm riding grip? <laughs> yeah, how's his, how would you do it? As our expert. And also, did they buy their ropes from just like Home Depot? That's like, why good... are they all like orange and black striped ropes? Can you get is like that just worm like hooks? The cheapest one? Two at a Home Depot? I don't know about the hooks, but yeah, you can absolutely get that exact rope from Home Depot. With like the stripes Perfect. and everything, and that's just like the first. They just the first rope someone could find, and they were like, "Yeah, that's good. That's a rope. It is orange. Sand is kind of orange when you think about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. So the grip. Let's, let's keep going. No, no, he's we our gotta- professional, Lincoln. How was the grip? I mean, he didn't fall off, so presumably it was pretty good. <laughs> Fantastic. Remember last time we asked Preston about the grip, and he he answered in these kind of same practical terms, Can and I- we realized it wasn't as funny to ask Preston about grip. Honest- of- <laughs> Honestly, Lincoln, if we're pulling the veil back a little bit, that's the reason i keep asking him is because he's always completely blindsided by it and i think that's funny oh well in that case not to spoil it but you guys are gonna love the movie i have picked out oh yeah so i can't wait okay Okay. it's 127 hours we're gonna be very sad it is not (laughs) kind of grossed out we have another exposition scene from the Emperor when he's ordered around by yet another group of people. Because why wouldn't we? It's the third act. Why wouldn't we? It's the third act. The Emperor's got to do something. Uh, Chani with her hair down is a yes from me, boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really hate this version of Aaliyah. She's the worst. <laughs> Horrible. Terrible. But also just say, um, I wanna, we're talking about villains. Um the Emperor is supposed is, is supposed to be sort of like the big, bad, like overarching villain, I feel like, more than 
the Baron in, in he's, some I, ways. He's, he's more of like a reluctant villain in my mind. Like he, he has a responsibility that kind of forces him to do this. Right. Yet he never shows any reluctance at all. Yeah. No, no, he chose just do he's whatever just anybody of, tells you know, me. Stoically standing there. Well, I get, yeah, yeah. He just gets ordered around. Yeah, he's not like reluctant. He's also not excited about it. He's just sort of there. I, I'm, I'm moving quick because the movie moves quick. Power through. Do we have anything else to add in, in between everything I said? No. I don't, I don't think so. Great. Wait, actually, I do have a um, question. Chani hair up. It's yeah. a no from you? Yeah. Oh, interesting. You know what? I'll, I'll cash in for real this time. Here we go. I will just, I'm laying down my cards on the table and saying, I don't think Zendaya was that much better than this Chani in this movie. Hard disagree. Couldn't disagree more. Yeah, I'm with John. I don't think, I didn't think she was very interesting. I don't think either characters are especially interesting in the movies. And they both, they're actually really interesting characters in the book, but I don't think either of them were especially interesting to me in either movie. Well, because in this hypothetical new better version, Johnny doesn't really <laughs> no, get I, I cashed in. You can, in. you can engage with my cash. Without cashing in his chips? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I, Lincoln, I'm just we can enter the pocket the universe at this point. Um, <laughs> we can't confuse him. He just got it. She doesn't get introduced <laughs> until the very, very, very end, like in the literal climax of the movie, at the very end. And also, even then, yeah, she she's, she does a lot with what she's given. Yeah. I feel like like she has an impact on that movie. I don't know. That's a bad. T- I think that was her a voiceover. Bad choice to call. That was a horrible time. I think time. her voiceover at the beginning is really cool. I don't really love her her acting at the end. It was a huge mistake. You've, you've I wasted think it. Feels, it. it feels a little wooden compared to everyone else's. You've wasted your call and the internet hates you now. <laughs> How exciting. <laughs> Next, we they uh, attack. They shout atomics and they put on their um, hazmat suits. This is the moment of the 80s power ballad, which I love. I mean, sure. At this point, you might as well, right? I'm just on board with this movie. I think you. I think you're like seeing this at this point, right? <laughs> no, yeah, we knew. We've known from the beginning. You talk about this movie so much. It's this movie and Tron. The second Tron, not the first Tron. Right. Good Tron. Good Tron. <laughs> but Lincoln, I, do you, I like it. Are you aware that this is a bad movie? Like, do you know that this movie is bad? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know it's bad. All right. I like it though. That's fine with me. I I get that. You and I can connect on. I love cue the winged serpent. You guys tore that shit to shreds. But like, <laughs> I can relate to that as I long love, as you know. When he shouts, the sleeper has awakened. I was like, yeah, it has. Sure. Come on, come on, bro. Long live the fighter. Sure, it has. This is this is my my biggest problem with this movie is in comparison to the book. I feel like the end of the book is so like too toned where you have like yeah he's like doing good but also you're like is that a good thing i'm not sure and this movie is just it just decides like no it's a good thing and why would you question that (laughs) well and that's why the book is so good because the entire time it's like paul is this like questioning reluctant like i don't want this and I think that's, I'm going to cash in right now. That is the Here number is. one thing that the new Dune does so, so, so much better is leaning into the moral ambiguity and that like, you know, these things are happening kind of to Paul, but he doesn't want them to. 
and is like really confused about it versus this movie. He just sort of, hey, well, I guess I'm just like the savior of the universe or something like no big deal. <laughs> well, you know? it's it's very clear that they designed this movie to be completely self-contained and they weren't OK with any loose ends happening. Yeah, which is bad. That's a don't yeah. adapt Dune if you want that to happen. <laughs> don't, and like they never even mention the uh, the jihad. They never mention the war in Paul's name. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Don't they worry just, about it. He because wins and they go. Nobody mentioned that right. in the test screening. So that's not the important thing we have to mention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't matter because like he wins and, and, and he's now from God, I guess, and can make the rain happen or something. Yeah. Just like Lion King. Just like the Lion King. <laughs> Is that where you're. Okay. The, we'll we'll the... come back to that comparison for sure. No. Well, let's just address it right well, this no, second. No, no, I'm not done yet. Yeah. I'm not the, done yet. The exiled king oh, returns home and then beats the bad guy and then rain happens again and now this this barren land shall shall harbor life once more right you, That's you, the miss, ending of Lion you miss the rains down in africa yeah awesome thank you thank you so much for, for that comparison lincoln i didn't even think about that that's preston, quite, that's quite so good much. preston lincoln you're blown over his joke that's a really that's a good one that was so good i, will lie. Was, I was about I, to blow I over my over joke, joke. Go back to what I wanted to talk about, but okay. What what did you want to talk about? It's just like the 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 biggest, most interesting theme of the entire like book is just like the moral ambiguity and the questioning, and like the sense of duty and right. And it's like that's like the strength of the book, and that For sure. totally gets. I mean, not even like not even a little bit in the movie, and I feel like that's oh, something I agree with that you. The new Dune did well is including a lot of mm-hmm. that. Um, I agree. Yeah. In the movie. Your use of the word ambiguity was really where this movie splits off from, <laughs> from the book. Somebody told David Lynch about the ambiguity and he was like, what? This book is the most clear, direct, honest <laughs> revelation of personal feelings that I've ever read. Oh, I he love said, the idea hey, that he just fully this, ignored the other side. This book is way <laughs> too complicated. I'm going to dumb it down so that, to, to absolutely nothing. Yeah. And that's the movie I'm going to yeah, make. He's like, this book is complicated. You know what's not complicated? Superman. Superman isn't complicated. <laughs> We're going to make Superman the Dune movie. One of the most frustrating things about this movie, um, so you'll both of you can, can revel in me saying something frustrating about this movie. Wow, he's saying something bad. Oh my goodness. We're so about proud. this movie I, I love so much. One of the really frustrating things about this movie is that the fight scene between Paul and Sting is actually like dramatic <laughs> it's actually shot well yeah which it's it's so frustrating to get to the last 10 minutes of the movie and then it's like oh he could have done this yeah it's like a Shyamalan twist of like time. hey this movie could have been a good movie like like the fight is dramatic and like the inserts are like interesting and add context and and the top down shot of the fight beginning is great good time and then Paul shouting down and like breaking the concrete and then killing the killing fade is like not in the books but it's awesome it's also it quite good. really cool yeah and so it's i'm so mad i'm so mad because it's it's like oh this could have been the whole movie like you could have just shot it like this <laughs> lincoln if it does if it if it if it placates you a little bit and makes you feel a little less bad about just for some reason loving this movie i did i asked you on our group chat whether or not i should buy it because it was like three dollars more to buy than rent and you said yes definitely you won't regret it for a second and i I don't like I'm glad that I own this movie because it is batshit crazy and it's kind of beautiful to look at. It is. It's beautiful in a, in a terrible, greasy, 
humid way. Yeah, like the set design and the costumes are good enough that I would probably watch it again, just maybe on mute. (laughs) Maybe in the background. Yeah. And then we uh, get a narration saying it was all solved. We're good. Everything's good. He's from God. Wherever there was war, there will now be peace. I'm remaking the world in my image. The spice must flow. <laughs> let's let's be done here, boys. And um, and then we do this little like sitcom roundup where we crossfade everybody's portrait. We sure do. As the credits roll. That was nice. <laughs> and it's kind of beautiful. It's like a greatest hits for the movie you just watched. Yeah. Like, hey, do you want a little yearbook? You want a little yearbook to remind you all of all the great moments you just had with these wonderful characters? Well, it's, it's so that if you rewatch the movie, you know who everybody is and you can match them up with the people in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the goal. Like, okay, now run it back and watch it one more time and this time it will make sense. Exactly. Yeah, buy another ticket and then you're going to get it. Then you'll get it. It's a bad, this is a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful bad movie. You know, I, I, have, I had very, like, nostalgic memories of this movie somehow. Um, like, I feel like I, I read the book. Actually, I think I saw the, I think I saw this movie before I read the book somehow and then read the book and then watched the movie. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a dude movie. This is great. <laughs> and I think I hated it this time. <laughs> and I, I think that's part of why I wanted to kind of say at the beginning, Hey, like, let's not turn this into just a giant comparison fest. Cause it would have. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's why I, I hate this movie now. Well, I think it does a good job interpreting, like, exactly one aspect of the book while just utterly ignoring every other aspect. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, you, it's like they read the book once and they went, okay, I'm going to look up, a, like, a summary of that on the internet 10 years later, and we're just going to make that. And we're going to make exactly Maybe that with no, like... got the book like, in the mail and said, oh, this is too much, and read the spark notes. This is a big-ass oh, yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> They're actually this David Lynch read much. the first two books. He read he read the first you know how, like the book is divided into like sub books. Yeah. He read the whole first one and he got done with it and he goes, I am done with Dune. And he threw the book away. I read Dune. And, he, and he came on set and they're like, you know that there's like three more parts to this book. And he goes, Oh, there were? What? What happens? And they go, they go, all this stuff happens. He goes, Okay, let's do that then. We'll do that in the last 30 minutes. I do like the idea of him just like reading the first book and then going, congratulations, David, you read Dune. Everybody said it would be <laughs> hard for Dune. you. I think it, we're really leaning into the punishment aspect with this. This week one was like, pretty harsh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I did to, to you. you guys watch this movie. <laughs> did we, did we hurt um, you? Like what happened? You know, this is, this is just honestly one of those cases where I overestimated <laughs> how much fun you guys would have with it because I have so much fun with it. So, yeah. yeah. So your movie for the next episode is to watch Cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> Sean, I, I, I assume by that reaction yes. you've seen it. Okay, perfect. It's Excellent. Perfect. Excellent. I'm going to have so many questions for you. Oh, I know. This is <laughs> um, Cliffhanger, which is a Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh, yes. Very loosely loosely based around some, some, uh, some climbing, which is <laughs> entertaining to no end. So, yeah, that's your movie. Um, Do we have the, homework? There is homework, yes. And your homework is is watch this movie and try to figure out uh, which part of it was based on a true story. <laughs> okay. Excuse, ex- excuse me? Parts of this movie are based on a true story, and, and your, your homework is to watch it <laughs> okay. and try to figure out which part 
is based on a true story. Looking at Jonathan's face, <laughs> I'm so excited. Just, <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm thinking back through this movie and I'm trying to remember what part of that is even possible by the laws of physics. <laughs> yep, I know. <laughs> but there is there is a a large a large portion of this movie that is loosely based around a, a true story. Wow, I'm, I'm so excited to hear what your thoughts are on that. <laughs> like most episodes, we'll end this one with an apology. <laughs> I'm so sorry, uh, John and Preston, that I forced you to watch this movie. And listener, we are so sorry that you we forced you to to uh, kind of listen through it with us. You know, but in a way, we've all grown closer, haven't we? <laughs> we all we all have grown. I mean, I've grown a little more distant now that I know how much you guys hate Dune. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Twinkie Talk. I have been Brother Lincoln. I have been Brother John. I've been Brother Preston. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) 